Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Racho and Satyar Shah coming to you from the Kintech studio. This hour of Canuck Central is presented by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler. A proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. It's uh, another day that ends in Y, so you know that means the Canucks managed to blow a multi-goal lead in their last game, Sad. Another two-goal lead blown. They made history last night. Crazy. I couldn't believe it. They made history. But hey, hey made here NHL we history. Are. Here we are. Every year the Canucks seem to be making some kind of history. It's yeah. just not the good kind. Yeah, you know, I mean, what we need is, you know, those uh, history will be made commercials the NHL <laughs> used to have for the playoffs. They should you do a Canucks version. No, we, for we, all the all the historically bad moments this yes. franchise has had, uh, instead of you know the TV show "A Thousand Ways to Die," <laughs> a thousand ways to miss the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's the the Vancouver Canucks story. Yeah, but hey, the good thing is uh, it's only, good. Well, no, it's only three games into the season. That's true. There, uh, there's there's time to rectify. One thing you know you know I've, I've often uh, used the phrase that things can't you know people say things can't get worse. No, no, things can get worse. Like it, it's it's. It's illogical to believe things can't get worse. They always yeah. can get worse. And as much as things can get worse, one thing I can guarantee you is they will win a game. They will eventually win hockey okay. games. They're, they're, they have no points, no wins, but I guarantee you they will win hockey games. At, at some point. Yes. Okay. This season, I might add. I don't believe you. <laughs> I promise you they'll win games this month. The craziest part about last night is they go up 4-2, and it's like immediately – uh, okay, <laughs> how 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 long are they going to be up for, bro? I was stressing during the I mean during the intermission, you know, talking to Bick during the second intermission, and we're like, okay, Canucks have a four two lead. They're playing well, you know. Yep. They came back and second period, they look great. But and but you know, going to break a few times, I kept reiterating, well, let's see if they can take this one home. Yeah, well, you know, and, and to myself, I'm thinking, you know. They can't possibly blow this one. They got to come away with something from this one with a two goal lead. I mean, they can't possibly do it. And we had IMAC on the post game show. And if you missed it, make sure to go check it, check it, check out the podcast. And he was like, "I've, I can't, I've, I, I've never seen this in my whole life." And he just kept going <laughs> on about like he can't believe they blew multi goal lead three times yeah. in a row. I'm like, you know why you haven't seen it, Ian? Because it's never happened yeah. before in over a hundred years of NHL history. This has never happened before. So that's why you're dumbfounded. Uh, people say like the the beauty of going to the ballpark of uh, you know going to watch a baseball game is you never know what you might see you you might see something that that has never happened before in a baseball game <laughs> like some kind of weird triple play or some you know weird happenstance that only happens once in a million years well that's the Vancouver Canucks right now yeah I mean finding that, ways to create history should that be the uh, slogan <laughs> or pursuit yes. Of history. history, yes, <laughs> our pursuit of history, in any, in any which way possible. Uh, we don't care how we make history; we will make history. Uh, it is not great. Um, so we have a pregame show coming up after three o'clock and after three thirty today. If you happen to be at home or have Sportsnet now, you can check out the pregame show on Sportsnet Pacific. As uh, with Play Now Sports, we'll be bringing pregame shows for all the regional broadcasts, regional telecasts, uh, into your living room. Yeah, so 100%, and it's going to be happening for every regional broadcast. Yes. So uh, not just today, yeah. Thursday against the Minnesota, Minnesota Wild. Not on Saturday because it's a Hockey Night in Canada game between the Canucks and the Sabres, but for every regional broadcast, you'll see us on TV. Uh, should be uh, should be a lot of fun. So hope you'll join us for that. Help is on the way for the Vancouver Canucks. Ilya Mikheyev and 
Tyler Myers have been activated from IRSAT. Yeah, so you know what this does. It throws a wrench into uh, the <laughs> argument, which I was just about to make. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen with the Canucks? Nothing! You know, like, <laughs> for all the talk about, what are the Canucks going to do? Are they going to fire the coach? Are they going to be trading Bo Horvat? And eventually, Boudreaux is not going to be the coach of this team, and eventually, Horvat will not be part of this team. It's just, it's just 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 not going to happen this week or this month. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so yeah, they will be getting help with Myers and Mikheyev, and we'll talk about that in pregame a lot about how they're going to help out. But really, nothing's going to be coming. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and you notice that in the discussions on the postgame show on Twitter, on social media, you see it on our text inbox, and I kind of looked at it today too. People want blood to some degree. People want mm-hmm. somebody to pay a price. They want some change and. I don't disagree with the notion that some change is needed big picture-wise with the roster, and everybody knows that. But nothing's coming, folks. Yeah. You know? Well, what do you expect to come? Uh, Not very often you see trades this early in the season, right? Teams are still trying to figure out who they are. And if you're going to make a trade, like some kind of sacrificial lamb sort of deal to just – try and send a message to the room one that's fairly old school right and i I don't think it necessarily quite works that way two who's that player you're moving you know most of these guys are on decent tickets that would be difficult to move Uh, the the one name that would come to mind is like nils hoaglander but you don't want to trade a young player with potential like that to to just try and shake things up in the locker room that's the that's the exact opposite of what this team needs to be doing right now exactly now does that mean a guy like hoaglander may not be used in trade at some point sure i mean it could happen but yeah if this team is making trades my sense is they're making trades because it aligns on value yeah that's what they've been looking for this whole time hey maybe you do something because things get bad something minor or whatever it is but i don't see them punting on a valuable player to send a message necessarily now if these things continue and mm-hmm. they don't get out of it and we start getting into December and it becomes clear that something has to give and the bow situation is unresolved, okay, something has to come to a head, right? Like you're yeah. not going to wait until the trade deadline. So either sign the guy or move on from the guy, get it figured out. But outside of that, it's about waiting to see what possibilities come up. And it's unlikely, especially with the team playing poorly, that a good possibility is going to arise. The only thing this team can do right now, and it's frustrating, is ride this out. And I don't. That doesn't mean we can't criticize. I mean, we're listening to the post game show. We're listening to this show. I mean, I, I haven't heard you criticize the Canucks at all. That. I wish I didn't have to. Yeah. You know, like I honestly, like, it, it hurts me to be this critical this early in the season. Like I, I don't want to be sitting here. I hate that it's so things. hard to like find a positive. Well, that's the problem. You got to win games. The results yeah. aren't there. And you talk so much about setting the habits, but the biggest thing is for this team, if they want to take that next step, they got to find players that are truly dedicated to doing that. And you got to still build the roster properly. But this entire year has been about, okay, who's going to be part of the plan? And as the season goes on, what opportunities will arise for us to make certain trades? And I mentioned this before the season. Even though they double down on a couple of guys, they're not committed to the roster indefinitely. Yeah, They're still going to be open to doing things and maybe moving an important player out or two if they can't. But right now with them playing poorly, and Elliot Friedman always says this, teams are looking to throw you anvils. So until this team plays better, you really don't have any good options in front of you. They have to ride this out early in the season. It's uh, Making a move for the sake of making a move is never really a great idea. Making a move out of desperation is never really a great idea. But, 
again, where does the spotlight land on this team right now as they go through this? It's firmly on the leadership group. Yeah. And, and ultimately, I think a lot of it on the two guys that came into this year looking for contract extensions. One of them already got it Yeah, in JT Miller, who has been on the ice for more goals than I can count at this point, has not played like the player we saw at the end of last year, doesn't play like the player we hear speak mm-hmm. after games. And I'm talking about you know, going off slowly for line changes and missed assignments. I see Horvat being the last man back on the go-ahead goal for the Washington Capitals. And, and this is what we talked about. Pedersen's giveaway. Yeah, Pedersen's giveaway. I mean, this is – yeah, there's mental mistakes, but it's also just you know, understanding the situation. Like, and and, yeah. and playing smart hockey in a tight game in the third period. It's just, I mean, it's, it's terrible game management, puck management, yeah. situational awareness. The, the type of stuff that a veteran-laden team, and these guys aren't young anymore, you know? No. I mean, we're talking about guys who've played hundreds of games in the National Hockey League, you know, going to year five, six, seven, eight of their careers now you know and like we're not talking about guys that are one or two years in they're out of the entry-level contracts these guys are getting paid big money now i mean uh, you got to perform you have to get results and and even beyond that it's it's how you lose you know like i can i could have sat here and been defending this team after three oh and three loss Mm -hmm. i could have done that if they would have played well and things would have gone against them and yeah listen results matter but hey you can lose a certain way and still be like you know what like the habits were good. It's hockey. Hockey happens sometimes, man. You got to ride it out and it'll be okay. But that's not what's been going on. Like you're literally costing yourself games and that should not be an acceptable standard. But honestly, what they have to do is try to figure out a way to get out of it. Yeah. Like that's really the situation they're in right now. Big picture, I think this gives this organization a lot of inf- information on individual players and you know, if they weren't already convinced of who they want to keep and who they may trade, this may reinforce those things, you know what I mean, with how things have gone. But right now, the biggest thing this team can do is play better. And as much as it's frustrating, and, you know, I see people texting in um, and uh, <laughs> and saying things like, hey, you know, the frustrating part, like Jeff Emission says, is we know things aren't going to change right away, so it's hard to keep a mental state. And yeah. I get that from a fan's perspective. But this team just has to figure out a way to start winning games, and they got to start a way, figure out a way to start maturing. It's hard to do, but they have to do it. The, uh, the problem is we've seen them do it, you know. <laughs> but again, um, it, a lot of that came last year when the pressure was completely off, and when they made the coaching changes. Yeah, of course, it was about having better results and and maybe mm-hmm. salvaging the season to some point. But the pressure was completely off, and they didn't really slow up until the pressure came back on and they found themselves in a legitimate playoff race because they had played so well for a period of time. I, I mean, right now, they come into the season saying all the right things, not doing any of the right things. So it's it's really hard to see how this group that's done it so often is going to all of a sudden change, essentially, who they are. Does mm-hmm. a leopard change its spots? No, no, and, and that's that's really what 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 Jeff Mission is kind of getting to is, 
you know, we keep committing to the same players, expecting different results, and we're not seeing any different results. No, we're not. But at the same time, as much as I've been, you know, I, I'm I'm very disappointed. I don't like what I've seen. It is three games into the season, yeah. and there is enough time for you to evolve. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not impossible. I'm not convinced it's necessarily going to happen. Um, I don't feel good <laughs> okay, about what they're showing. Okay, so, so but no, and it's not even just about oh, this could potentially happen. Yeah. Like it's you have 79 games remaining on the season. You go out and you you lay it on Columbus, mm-hmm. and if this was a reset you needed, and you start getting going a little bit, you can look back and say, okay, that was our last little sign, and we you know we kind of yeah. got it into gear or whatever. This was the last slap in the face we're gonna get. Hey, I. I don't. I'm. I've seen a lot of slaps in the face, and these guys have responded and kind of gone back to getting slapped around again. Yeah. So I'm not convinced. But again, I, I think we have to still allow with 79 games remaining that that possibility does exist. So there's a, a, a couple of things here. Like, part of me is maybe this team's just not good enough. But then I also think about how they played in the second period last night, the way they were moving the puck. You know, putting it into an area for a teammate to skate onto, yeah. playing with speed. Um, there was just like the Horvat goal was was a perfect example. And that line didn't have many great shifts, but you know that rush, that play, uh, the way Pearson put the puck onto Besser for the entry and the shot, Horvat fighting for, um, you know, fighting for positioning and getting the rebound to score. Like, all of those exhibited great things, but that line did not do that consistently last night. In fact, they were probably the worst line at doing things consistently well, they last may, uh, night. Well, not only – I mean, the thing is, when you're up 4-2, when you have a two-goal lead, how do you not take that game home? Yeah. When you've already coughed it up twice. And I understand sometimes things happen in hockey, but when when you literally got – got victimized because you made dumb mistakes. So that's the and thing. you weren't like, managing it, the puck in two straight games. Yeah. You did the same thing in the third game. Like, how, you have to keep things simple at some point. Well, how much of it is mental and and, and how much of it is just lack of talent, lack of ability well, to I do these things? I don't think there's a lack of ability. I, I refuse to believe there's a lack of ability to do the simple thing. Like, yeah. are, are you kidding me? You can't do the simple thing. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. You know? like it, you, But why does it keep happening? <laughs> it's habits. Yeah. It's ha- this is what I kept harping on habits in the preseason. They're so hard to break. They're so hard to get over. And that's why you got to start immediately in overcoming them. Yeah. You know? And if you still exhibit those things in a preseason, that's not good. Okay, let's fix it. You know? And that's why there was a lot of immediacy in the preseason. There was a lot of, you know, internal pressure about, okay, things got to pick up. Things got to get better. And, you know, I saw a lot of that. I heard a lot of that. I'm watching the preseason. I'm watching some of the practices. And I'm going, this team doesn't look like – they don't look as sharp as they need to look, especially considering what they came off of, all the promises they've made mm-hmm. and everything they've wanted to do. And it's like, you guys aren't starting off doing it. It doesn't mean you can't figure it out. But right now, you're not giving yourself the best chance possible to have a good start to the season. And that's on them. Well, uh, as Eric in, in West Van points out on the Dunbar Lumber text line listening live, adding six new players to the roster is not the same team, Riccio. Um That's fair. That's fair. How many of those players are in prominent roles? No, no, and, and I think that point is fair. They have a lot of new faces, and I think the chemistry aspect of things and coming together as a team, I think that's going to take some time. But we're not talking about the new faces making mistakes sat the only new faces in the top nine of the forward group yesterday were andre kuzmenko and curtis lazar and, and that was the canucks best line last yeah night. and lazar scored a goal yeah who's making the turnovers 
JT Miller. Tanner Pearson. Again. Right? My guy. I've been, all I've been saying is how underrated you are, and you just keep having terrible games. <laughs> JT Miller has been on the ice for nine yeah. of the goals against so far, even what, even more now by the end of yep. the last game. But so these are new faces. Those the guys are, are making yeah. those mistakes, blowing assignments. Those aren't the new faces doing that. I could understand the new faces and the team not reaching its ceiling yet. The criticism for me falls on their best players, their core, mm-hmm. not exhibiting the winning habits they themselves yeah. promised they would do this season. Well, like the the, the fifth goal yesterday. Um, okay, it's it's not like a huge thing, but again, it's just situational, right? You. Pearson whips the puck around expecting that one of his teammates is going to be there. They aren't. Bo Horvat is overcommitted and finds himself below the goal line. Yeah. As the centerman who is usually in need of being the third man high. And because of that, Horvat ends up being the last man back into the play. Besser, I, I mean... <laughs> Just doesn't close down Ovechkin well enough. Uh, Quinn Hughes doesn't close the gap on Kuznetsov. He's allowed an easy entry. I mean, there's just a a myriad of mistakes, all from guys that have been here for years and have done it numerous times when this team needs it the least to have those types of things happening. For sure. And, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, also, also talking about how, hey, Boudreaux should not be the guy wearing this. Yeah. Right now. But I also think Boudreaux has to figure out some answers. There there are some things, you know, Whether he admitted to last night, you know, uh, the penalty kill keeps getting scored on in the first 15 seconds. Maybe I'm putting the wrong guys out there. Yeah. And hey, that's the whole staff. It falls yeah. on and they all have to have to wear some of this. I, I think at this point, the, the reason this team is where they are to start the season yeah. isn't because of the coach, but how they respond to it and how they get out of it a large part of it is going to come down to how the coach handles it. So as we start to evaluate or keep evaluate Boudreaux's season, how the team responds from this point on and how they look by the end of the season, that's a pretty big part of it here. Well, okay, so so there's a couple of things. One, you're touching on sort of a, a, an intangible, um, you know, getting the players ready to go. It feels like they have been on, on a lot of nights. Well, I mean, um, they've been ready for what? Um, they weren't ready to play against the Flyers. I no. wouldn't put that on the coach because this, you know, again, like we saw that even Boudreaux last year when he was a coach of the team at times called them out for not being prepared to start the season, to yeah. start games. Even when they were winning, he was on them about they are not, like I said, all the, we did everything we could. I don't get why they weren't prepared. There was a there was a small comment he made after the game yesterday too. Um you know, it was kind of the question was like along the lines of, you know, what changed in the third period? Well, we had the right game plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he made sure to point that out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was a little bit enlightening in that, you know, these guys are just not executing. They're making the same mistakes. Uh, confidence is at a low. All of those things are, are fair. But one, the penalty kill. Like, if we're talking about a coach and, and, and how he deploys his roster, Sat, I'd say, yeah, maybe time to figure out the penalty kill, which I want to touch on here in a second. But one of the big things I'm seeing, um, okay, you've got these three big centermen that you keep loving and talking about so much. 
Well, there's one who's clearly playing the best right now, and I think Ice Time should reflect that, and it's Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And not like, that he played a ton less yeah. than JT Miller last night, but it was, it was about a minute, so yeah. a couple of shifts. I, I get that. I think that's fair. I mean, Pettersson played more, you know, put him out in more situations. I also think it's fair to look at, is he is he putting the best combinations together on the lines? And, yeah. and that's something you have to figure out, and that takes some time with, with the new faces and also some of the injuries to start the season. McKayev coming back, obviously, now. But we'll see if he puts that mix together. But also, one thing to look at though is I see people mentioning and it's not an unfair point I know Rangers made this point maybe maybe Miller isn't a good center maybe that's not the position he plays the problem however is with the way this team is constructed right now if Miller's not playing center they just paid him to be a center for yeah, the next well, seven. Well, yeah, but also the way this roster is constructed. I yeah. can see him moving to wing, you know what I mean? And honestly, getting paid $8 million per season is not necessarily first-line center money. Like, it's it's a good player money for his age, but, like, as long as he's a point-per-game player on the wing, too, and, and does his thing, you can still get value out of it. Obviously, more value if he plays down the middle. But the way this team is constructed, I don't know if they can really afford moving one of those guys off center. And even Curtis Lazar, with the way he's played, I'm not even sure they're convinced he's a good center. He's been, been used on the wing so much. Yeah, they don't uh, They don't have other, other options, right? That's that's long been the conversation around, you know, can you keep both JT and Bo, and how are you constructing this roster if one of or both of them are not here? We obviously know at yeah. least one of them will be for a, a long while. So the penalty kill. Uh, they've given up six goals uh, already this season. Yeah. 11 op- power play opportunities for the opposition. So they're performing at less than a 50% mm-hmm. clip now, Sat. Yeah. Um, how does it How does it change? You know? Personnel, what, what, you got to change. Okay, what is the personnel that's going to change? Okay, Mikheyev comes back yeah. in. No, and and Mikheyev is like, good. hey, I mean, pretty here's good. the Messiah of our penalty kill. But, 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 I mean, he got... Okay, he's getting paid to come in and bring speed and, and score goals. But one of his main attributes is being a really good penalty killer. Yes. I mean... In theory, he should be the Canucks' best penalty killer. Yeah. So that's not an insignificant addition in and of itself. It is uh, It is not a, an insignificant addition. Um, but it, it does feel like, because of the way things have started, yeah. there is a, a massive amount of pressure for him to now come in and all of a sudden for sure. fix all of this. Yeah. And, and, you know, I we talked about this in the summer uh, with JT, you know, lessening his minutes take him off the penalty kill or at least maybe not utilize him as much at, on the penalty kill set. That's clearly not been the case. I think five of the goals he's been on for have been uh, when he's on the ice penalty killing. I, I mean, I, I understand he plays in every situation and, yeah. and that's been a big part of JT Miller's success here in Vancouver. But at some point we have to be honest with it and, and realize, you know, maybe he's not, the best penalty killer. No, he's not a good penalty killer. He's not. He's not a good penalty killer. Is he adequate when he's at his best? Sure. And has he done a good job at times? Yes. And does he good, do a good job of winning draws on the, on, the, on the PK? Yes. And that, my friends, is the big issue here. Hmm. Most coaches are reluctant to have a first PK unit where they don't feel like they have a center that can win a draw. Yeah, that there is a good face-off man now. So you, you got to go Horvat or Miller. Essentially, essentially. Lazar has been a fifty-fifty guy, and so far, again, he's not being utilized as a center a lot. I don't know if he's gained the trust yet to be used as a primary guy. In theory, I'd like to see Lazar and Mikheyev get a chance as your per- first duo. I mean, that's what those guys are here for to a large degree. Can Lazar handle it? Hey, you're fifty percent on the PK. Why not try it? Right? Yeah. The other one, the only other option you have is. 
maybe trying Bo on the first unit instead. And Bo is not a great penalty killer. Niels Oman has a chance here, but he's so young and we haven't seen enough yet. We don't we don't know quite if he can get there. And maybe he's asking too much for a guy just trying to figure out how it, what it's like to play a regular shift in the National Hockey League three three games in. So really, going back to the same thing with, with the forward group, as much as you'd like to see different combos, right now they can't take Miller away from center. They just don't have the option. Same with yeah. Bo or Pedersen even. And right now, I don't know if you can go without both Bo and JT on the PK. I think one has to be on the PK. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I'm okay with using them. I think Bo has been fine in spurts when they've played him with Pedersen yeah. on the PK. And it's it's worked as one that, that tries to be aggressive and, and turn chances the other way. I think it works because Patterson reads the play so well, anticipates, is able to to you know in, disrupt passes and intercept them, those types of things. But like some something's got to give. Try new guys. You know, it, it's not working. You're less than fifty percent. I'd say, you know, I'd I'd like to see Patterson out there more often on the penalty kill. Maybe we would if most of these kills lasted more than fifteen yeah. seconds. Um, I'd also like to see, and we've talked about this already, but where's Vasily Podkolzin? He is exhibiting yeah. true defensive instincts. Like I, I think there's there's a player there that can help you on the penalty kill. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm so with you on Podkolzin being on the PK. Yeah. I mean, naturally, I think he has all the instincts to be a good penalty killer. Somebody texted in and said, "Try Podkolzin at center," and I think maybe long term, maybe you can flirt with that at some point. But you can't throw him in and be the face-off guy on the PK. But if you're taking one of those guys out, like if you're taking, let's say, Miller out, you're putting Mikheyev in, you're taking somebody else out, I want to see Podkolzin get in. You know, I, I take Pearson out and put Podkolzin in instead of him. Um, yeah. I'd rather see that happen. I'd rather see, instead of you throwing Pearson some PK shifts, throw it to Vesely put Coles in instead. That's one thing I'd like to see. And what did Boudreaux show last year? Yeah. You can always try different things on the PK. Yeah. You know, and that's how they got out of it, by trying Hughes, Pedersen, and a bunch of different things on the PK, and they ended up having a lot of success with yeah. it. So I don't six bl- or even eight forwards deep, like just throwing guys out there. Yeah, and for as much as we're sitting here talking about it's imperfect, he proved you can try pretty much anything, and yeah. trying something is better than doing the same thing over and, and over again. Exactly, and being insane about it. Uh, even Connor Garland is a guy. that uh, We saw it a little bit in preseason. I figured it was just a preseason thing, but maybe it's something they, they go back to uh, during the course of the regular season here. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, Irfan Gaffar is going to join us. His take on how the Canucks get out of this and uh, whether or not there actually is any smoke around Bruce Boudreaux at the moment. That's coming up next on Canucks Central. Canucks Central, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Sat, uh, a development from the NHL Board of Governors meetings. Pierre Lebrun 
saying that Gary Bettman has just uh, exited the more than four hours worth of meeting and has said it is likely that the NHL players will have paid off their remaining escrow by the end of this season, and that could mean a salary cap jump of about $4 million. If that does not happen and they don't fully pay off and the projections are incorrect, uh, it will go up as expected to be just the $1 million that we've been uh, feeling is going to happen with the salary cap. So basically, uh, we could see a big rise in the cap as soon as next year. Yes. This could happen, depending on how everything kind of plays out this season. And given how aggressive the league is and in exploring different revenue streams and things that are kind of coming in now and you're seeing in different ways, uh, there's a good chance this does happen. And that could really change the landscape for this op- upcoming offseason. Um, you know, th- does it also impact potential contract negotiations? It, it certainly can. Like th- These are the types <laughs> of things, you know, if it does indeed come to pass, it does have a massive impact. A $4 million change in the salary cap is about a, is about a 7 8% j- jump in the salary cap yeah that's not insignificant nope uh it uh will make uh bo horvat negotiations even that much more interesting uh again uh gary bettman saying that the uh escrow may be paid off by the end of the year and the salary cap could jump by four million dollars should that happen uh all right let's bring in our next guest he joins us every tuesday here on canuck central it is Irfan gafar of the fourth period what's happening Irf? Big TV guys now for the pregame show, hey? Oh, stop. Congratulations. That's fun. I look forward to watching. Uh, I've I've been told that uh, Canucks fans have wanted a pregame show on television for the longest time. Yes. So this is kind of exciting. Well, we, we, yeah, we, I mean, way back when, we, we did have one. We used to have one, yeah. And then we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and and now it's back with you guys. So uh, it's exciting. I, I'm very I'm pleased. Yeah, that's that's great. Good no, for you guys. It's good. No, it's it's great for the market, like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, this market yeah. deserves to have more coverage leading into games, and we're super happy to be part of that. Uh, this this for the rest of the season on the regional games. Uh, first one coming today at three uh, thirty on Sportsnet Pacific. So uh, you know what else this market deserves? A winning <laughs> hockey team. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Earth, what's your assessment of what's happened so far through the first three games? Uh, look, I, I think it's the losses suck, but it's the way it's happening. Mm. Yeah. Right. You, you can lose a game and, and whatever. And, you know, if they're getting blown out four or five, nothing, I think people are like, okay, this team's just not very good, but you're up in games. You're up multiple goals in games and you just forget, or there's nothing going on. Or I mean, I tweeted yesterday, really no spine. I had a lot more words to think about it to be mm-hmm. completely honest, but this team has lacked that killer instinct for quite some time, mm. to be completely honest, right? There's no one seemingly that, yes, I know it's three games in and things like that, but if you go back to last season and seasons before and, and things of that nature, there's no one that gr- can grab a game by its throat and kill it and finish it, right? Mm. You know, there's, there's that killer instinct. So I think that's one of the things that sucks the most. It, it's not even the losses that hurt. It's just the way it's happening. And then you hear about it after guys swearing. Okay, well, mm-hmm. swearing isn't going to make anything better, <laughs> no, right? Right. Let and and you know and let let's trade brute or let's trade bow and then fire brutes and, and all these things. Like the 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 answer isn't that simple. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it's a lot more. It's layered. And this team 
has to figure it out with with those guys in the room. Well, and you, you know that that's the that's the thing that's so frustrating because the things that you're seeing is stuff that you've seen from the past, and that's what people are kind of mentioning. It's not just you know the first three games, and then no team's done what this team has done for the first three games of the season. That is blow <laughs> multi goal leads and lose every single game. That's never happened in the over hundred year history of the National yeah. Hockey League. So I mean, these are the things that that are frustrating. But to your point about you know changes. Honestly, man, like I, I really don't see Boudreaux going anywhere this season. Like for for he that to happen, him. you would like things would have to go so bad, even worse than last year, for to even be considered. I just don't see any way they're going to be paying for two coaches not to coach, especially when this team struggled last year and they already fired a coach for them. Exactly. I mean, you know, we saw Elliot's report that you know the Canucks were talking to coaches yeah. or, or have talked, but you know, they, I mean, they probably talked throughout the summer, even when they said that Bruce was coming back. So that's. Neither here nor there. But, yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think you're going to pay two coaches not only to, to not work, but another one to work at, for that matter, right? You're going to have to probably, if, you, if, if something were to happen, you, you would name an interim, and that, term, that coach would probably have to get a raise in a little bit. So you, yeah. you're just adding more there. But the one that interests me is the people that are on about, you know, trading players and um, what would happen there. So here's my thing on that is if the Canucks wanted to trade Bo Horvat, they would have to have another team that, that, that wanted to take on Bo Horvat. And it's not as simple as, okay, we're going to trade Bo and get a defenseman and fix everything. It just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Had there been a deal or was there anything in place, something probably would have come out or something would have been done. So the notion of, okay, we need to trade our captain because, yes, uh, of all the things we're hearing and, and things like that, I get it. I get why the fan base is frustrated. But deals like that aren't, easy to aren't easy to make and what team right now if you look at it is giving up one of their top four or five defensemen for for a guy like Bo Horvath who they would have to extend yeah it just it, it just right now it just doesn't make any sense and I know the panic button's been hit it's nuclear this market is on fire right now and yes rightfully so but the simple answer is these guys just got to do it in the room and they got to do it in the first game they're lucky they're playing tonight because you wash away yesterday, but with a win tonight. Yeah, as as the great Ted Lasso says, be a goldfish, right? You know, yeah, that's 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 what the Canucks need to be. That, I, never mind yeah. our pursuit. Be a goldfish. That should be the at least their one day slogan. You know, it's not a goldfish. The internet. <laughs> no, the internet never forgets. Never. It's like elephants oh. on the internet. And if the internet lives forever, buddy. It's uh, it, it's been brutal though. You know, and and you know, it, it is a lot of the same mistakes. You know, I think it it. Uh, speaks to some of the comments we heard from from upper management last year you know the practice habits and and the culture and all of these things and yet we're seeing it again missed defensive assignments going off slow for loan chain line changes you know just just habits that are little things that end up biting you in the end and that's what's cost them essentially all three of these games earth and you know, I know, like, yeah, right now it doesn't make sense to make a trade in the desperation mode you're currently in three games into the season. But at some point, they're going to have to make some sort of significant change to the roster because I just I, – I don't think the mix is there. I don't think the mix is right. Yeah, look, I agree. And it's just tough to do. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, of course. It's just very tough to do. I Look, I, who they trade, what they trade, if they bring someone in, whatever, what happens – Yes, I agree. There needs to be a shakeup. But talking to a couple of people like last night, former players that, that played on, on this team, um, you know, players that have been gone and coaches and stuff like that, like a player's only meeting three games into the season is unheard of. 
that's the type of stuff that you take care of in training camp. Yeah. yeah. You get together, you, you, you hash out everything you need to do and whatever needs to be done before the season starts. That's why you have training camp. That's why you go through these exhibition games and they weren't good in the preseason either. No guys like, right. And we can say, okay, well, sometimes it was an AHL lineup, but your NHL players are still playing Yeah. and they're still not winning games. So that's concerning to me because whoever called the meeting or, or whatever it was three games into the season, that's, that's that type of stuff that you just don't really see No. this, this, this early on. And, and I think that that's the type of stuff that yes, if it's a culture thing in the room, um, it should have been addressed well, well in the summer yeah. and well into preseason and things like that. Like that type of stuff shouldn't be happening three games in. Well, what does that say about the leadership group then? And we, we kind of talked about that. And, you know, this was the frustration that, you know, a lot of us had, you know, covering the team throughout preseason and training camp and everything like that and all the stuff we saw and heard. I mean, training camp, for, for all intents and purposes, was good. I mean, everybody worked hard for yeah. the guys that were there, you know, saw a lot of good things. But as the preseason went on, you kind of notice, okay, like they're not as sharp. Some practices weren't as sharp. And I think, if, you know, if you ask some people internally about what was going on in the preseason, I think a lot of people were less than impressed about the lack of preparedness and the lack of seriousness uh, to fix those habits, you know, coming into the season. Because this front office has seen what good habits look like in Pittsburgh, right? With Malkin and, and Crosby and Latang and those players, they've seen what the standard is. So, as much as people believe this front office um, loves this core because it brought everybody back, Again, it's going to be tough to make any trades. I'm not expecting anything early in the season. It's going to take you know a year or so for you to be able to move some stuff out. But I think what they're seeing probably has them reconsidering their position on a few guys on this team long term. Well, I agree. And look, we talked, I think, on this show just before the season started. I think we, we had the discussion of what is this team's identity? Right now, they don't have one. And from the looks of it, three games in, they don't have any leadership either. And, and it sucks because who's the guy? Is it Bo? Is yeah. it JT? Is it Elias Pedersen? Is it OEL? Is it, you know, like Tyler Myers and Elias McKayev aren't saving this team today. They might get a win. Yeah. Right. But it, it, it's, it's, it's longer issues than that. And I think that that's when you look at it, where Bruce says after the game yesterday, mentally weak, like mentally weak was a good, is probably a good assessment. Like that's tough to hear from your head coach three games in mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be this team with a lot of promise. Right. And, you know, we saw, saw people tweeting like, not this team, not this season. Well, it's happened. And like I said before, and I tweeted it last night, there is only so much that, you know, ownership and management can do because it really, at the end of the day, those guys aren't playing on the ice. Those guys aren't blowing the lead. No, they're not. It, 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 it's those guys in the room. Well, I mean, yeah, you mean you talk about that? Like, it's, it's like it, the things that are happening, it's of the player's own doing. Yeah. You know, like we're not talking about stuff that's going on that that's not somebody else's fault. Like this is literally your own <laughs> core players, your best players not coming through. And you can't blame anybody else. And for all the talk about it's only three games into the season, right? Because people are like, it's only three games, relax. It's not a big deal. The players themselves are having player only meetings after three games. What does that literally. tell you? So it, you know? To them, it's a, it's, it's a big, it, it's a, it's a big deal. Right. And, and I think that when that happens, you, you, as a player, you got to look at it and say, okay, so there's something definitely wrong here, right? It's just the way it happened. And I think that that's what the frustration is. They're getting blown out. Like I said, it's fine. They're just not a good hockey team, but they're up in games. They have no problem scoring. They got a lot of trouble keeping the puck out of their net when they're up though. Yeah. And whether, you know, what happens tonight it remains to be seen, but it's, you know, we say winning fixes all problems. Yes. They get a win tonight. It's good. It's a step in the right direction, but there's a lot more, 
to unpack with this team. That's for sure. Well, like, okay, the game against Philly was yeah. not great <laughs> start to finish. No. Uh, maybe they had some moments. But really, like, I, I think about the Edmonton and Washington games, and I don't know, if I want to take a super pessimistic view of it, when those teams turned it on, the Canucks had zero answer. You know, so can't, like, are you that great of a team that when other good teams – really start to push the pace and really start to push you up against the wall, you have no answers on how to stop that snowball from rolling. Well, that's the thing. And whether it's Bruce not calling a timeout here or there, or like, you know, we talk about, you know, that guy called one last night. Yeah. He did yeah. call one yeah. after he they did, tied he did call it one yeah. last night. Yeah. He did call him last night, but I mean, the other two games are cut up. Um, <laughs> look, I think that, you know, we always talk about, you know, that guy's a dog or, or something like that. Cause I don't have any of those guys. Yeah. Like, they don't have someone that's going to, you know, whether it's be an agitator or... or, or well, of, of the big I'm three saying... centers, like, Pedersen's been the, the best of the big three. Well, I, yes, and you, I But agree. he's not he's that, he's not, he doesn't that. have that alpha personality necessarily. No, but I'm not even saying that. I'm not even saying drop the gloves. I'm not going to condone fighting, but who's that guy? Who's that guy that's going to throw a big hit? That's going to change the momentum when the momentum's going the other way. Mm. Yeah. Like, they don't really have any of those guys. And, yes, Ilya Mikheyev can, can throw his body around a little bit, and he's really good on the forecheck, but he's not that guy either, right? The Canucks just don't have a dog. I mean, J.T. Miller, yeah, he's the alpha dog. He's the, he's, he's the big money guy, but he's not playing well right now, admittedly. Yeah, and it can't be Luke Shen so, either. No, no it, it can't be Luke Shen, and, and God bless Luke Shen, honestly. I, I really do. The guy says all the right things. He's a fantastic teammate, the Stanley Cup champion. But we can't be depending on Luke Shen to go out and do these things every single night. Well, and and, and and hey, God bless Luke Shen, and he's a big, big leader, and he matters a lot to this team. Yeah. Of course, they kept him and everything. But when you're not considered a core guy, and you're not even getting paid a million dollars per season, <laughs> it's and, and I know people might be like, what, what is that? It matters to guys in the room, yeah. guys that make a lot of money. That like it, it carries more weight when you talk and you do stuff. Like, those things do matter. And to your point, like JT's the type of guy that is an alpha. JT's a guy that can run, run hot. And the funny thing is, kind of like we talked about with, with the management team for this organization, that they need a president here because you kind of need a buffer between ownership and the management team. You really need to have that cohesiveness built in. Where's the buffer? Not not to say take away from JT, but there has to be somebody on the team that can check JT, somebody that the rest of the team respects. Now, is that Bo? Is that somebody else that's a big-time player? That ecosystem, that least accountability, means every single person has to be accountable. That means every single person can get called out. And right now, I wonder, is there a player on this team that can set a guy like JT straight? Because if you do, I think everybody else falls in line a lot better. Yeah, I mean, to your point, this team can't even hold itself accountable. Forget yeah. about one player doing something, yeah. right? I, I agree with you on that for sure. It, it's just, it's tough because the culture of this, uh, of this and you, you, you talk about the culture change and, you know, obviously getting rid of Travis and Jim and everything like that, but it was well before that, that things needed to change. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. And look, it, they go out and get a win, and winning makes everything better. It, it, it really does. So you hope this team can kind of turn things around and play a solid, you know, 60 minutes tonight because that's exactly what they need. Um, cliche as hell to say, but that's something that they need. And finish a game because um, they can't even do that yet right now. And then we can talk about this team moving forward. But right now it's up to those guys to go and get a win. And the best thing that happened for them is they didn't have a day off, day off in between games. If there's one, you know, like um, area of the roster that is obviously in, in glaring need of help, 
and I'm not sure where you get it from. It's 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 on D and yeah. Quinn Hughes, you know, we know he can play better, right? Not that he's been terrible, but but he can play better than he has in these first three games. He had the flu. He broke his nose in the first night of the season. So, you know, like there's excuses there if you want to take them for Quinn. But like they, they just don't have anybody else that generates any offense from the back end or, you know, allows them to sort of deflate the pressure when it really starts to mount on them. They just rely so much on Quinn Hughes to do all of those things. And, you know, it's it, it's scary because I, I don't know how they fix that either this year or even in the short term beyond this year. No, it's going to be tough, right? Yeah. Look at how much money you have on that back end. But to forget about Tyler Myers' contract, but just those two contracts alone with him and with him and OEL, yeah. right? And then you obviously hear what Gary Bettman says, and the cap might go up, and you might get some flexibility there and be able to go and make some some bolder moves. But yeah, I, I mean, as of right now, you know, this team's very not not very good defensively, and it's no secret they haven't been for a few years. Yeah. So it, it, in order to get a bona fide defenseman, it's probably going to have to have to happen via trade. But just those types of trades aren't happening yeah. right now. That I think that's the thing that we need to understand here mm-hmm. when, when we talk about it. It's that it's it's hard enough to make a blockbuster NHL deal, but it's even tougher when you're three games into the season and teams are still trying to assess where their teams are at uh, this yeah. early on. No, exactly. Now, that was kind of the theme we had to start the show. It's like, hey, uh, this isn't good, but all the Canucks can really do right now is ride this out. That's the only yeah. option you have. And the only thing that helps the situation is winning games. Even if you want to make trades, you got to win games for you to be able to find a good partner. Otherwise, you put yourself in a really bad leverage position. So really, nothing's going to happen unless you start winning games and start playing a lot better as a team. And, and you know what? You mentioned the defense, and somebody texted in, how, how come you guys aren't talking about number 35, Thatcher Demko? And I, I do think it's less of a topic because of, of how many individual mistakes have led to the Canucks blowing these three leads. But but we haven't seen the best of Thatcher Demko yet either. No. And, and that, yeah. not, he hasn't been bad. I, I don't think he was really good um, against the Capitals, especially in that third period. That Carlson goal wasn't good. You know, maybe not as sharp as he normally is. And we'll talk to Woodley tomorrow to get a sense of where his game is at. He's really good at assessing it. But I think it's fair to say we haven't even seen the best version of Demko yet. No, and I 100% agree with you on that. I, I think that, look, I think right now when it rains, it pours, especially in this city. Right, game one is very deflating. You yeah. McDavid come in and score a hat trick. You have Leon Draisaitl scoring. If McDavid and Draisaitl are doing that, you know most nights your your team is probably not going to win. And they were quiet in the first period. The Canucks were very good. You look at the Philly game, right? That was bad all around. So you really can't really hang that one on Demko. But it's going to get to a point now where you say, okay, Demko Demko stole us so many games last season. When's he going to steal us one now? When is he going to completely shut the door? We're up to nothing. Yes, if we're playing bad, but this guy's going to bail us out because he did it a lot last year. Mm-hmm. You can't hang everything on Demko because there's been so many, like you mentioned, Sat, individual mistakes that have completely cost this team hockey games. But at some point, you're going to hope that, you know, your goalie is back to what we saw last season or is that Vesna type of level, level that, that we were talking about. Erf, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Um, what was I going to say? Hey, my Seahawks are frisky. <laughs> there you go. Hey, they had the greatest tweet of all time on Sunday. I'll, I'll, I'll take that.
That was pretty good. I didn't even realize when you zoomed in on the computer, it was a picture of Kyler Murray in that green suit. Oh, that that's the best, honestly. <laughs> I, like, I, I, it took me a while to realize. I zoomed in, I was like, oh, oh, they did this. And you see, uh, you see what was on the green screen, the XP weekend about the video game yeah. drops and stuff. I mean, it was just, it was just so good. It was so well layered. And, and also, if you noticed, there was a little watermark of a little symbol, like yeah. in the in the wow. sky, which was from a Cardinals tweet a while back, which was like this weird thing they tweeted out. Keep your receipts. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Trolling yeah. done well. Trolling really done well. You know who didn't troll well? Josh Naylor. <laughs> yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> All right, that's enough Yankees talk here today. Uh, see ya. Hey, John. All right, gentlemen. Be well. Uh, there is uh, Irfan Gaffar joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central, and uh, unfortunately a Yankees fan. Yeah, but um, we'll leave that where it is. Hey, no one's perfect. Um, chirping a Canadian like that too, Josh Naylor, pride of, of Canada. But, uh, you see, um, you're chirping, don't yeah. work out. It's, it's not a good look. <laughs> it, it's, it's like Anthony Bass shutting down his account. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, is it back uh, up yet? That's know. that's fair. Uh, it's it's tough, but uh, we're going to get more into some of the pregame topics with the Columbus Blue Jackets on tap. Canucks getting some much-needed reinforcements. Uh, Tyler Myers and Ilya Mikheyev both coming off of IR. Sat, we get our first look at Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, and uh, I think most fans are going to really like what they see. Um, I would imagine he'll have a lot of adrenaline going, Mm -hmm. so he'll have some jump, and uh, you will really see his game speed in the regular season. Uh, A lot of power in his skating. I don't think we really got, got a good sense of it in the preseason. No. You know, played what a period and a bit, half, you know, especially early in the preseason, he's just kind of getting his legs and whatever. And you never saw him ramp up and Hey, maybe it'll be a bit rusty at times or whatever, but he's going to be very noticeable with the speed, his forechecking ability. And he should be a nice addition to the PK if they use him there. Coming up, the Canucks look to break the streak. They're in Columbus on the second half of a back to back the pregame show coming up on Sportsnet 650. We'll be right back. 